0: let's pray Lord, we do thank you for um, your word we thank you that by it um, our hearts and souls are are pierced that uh, you shape us you form us um, you challenge us and we come before you asking that you would do that now In your name we pray amen Well, friends, we're starting a new series uh, today, a series on the Psalms of Ascent, which is Psalm 120 all the way to Psalm 134, and as I mentioned in the past, um, we will be using Eugene Peterson's book, A Long Obedience, in the same direction, sort of as a dialogue partner throughout this series, so I would encourage anybody who's interested to join us uh, on those um, group calls on on Wednesday night to talk about the, the chapter before and talk about the psalm. Um, it's a really nice way to, to be thinking about the psalm throughout the week and to be preparing for Sundays as well as we gather together in worship. I'll just say that this series came about as I was sort of thinking about um, that sense of weariness uh, that many of us were experiencing a few months back and may still be as COVID continues to linger. That feeling of just sort of wanting to be done with this already, wanting to be done with the mass, wanting to be done with the hand sanitizer, wanting to be done with the restrictions, and wanting to be done with um, not being able to see our family and friends in in the way that we want to, with that sense of freedom and not having to think about proximity and, and colds and all that sort of stuff, to just sort of be done with it, to go, to truly go back to life as normal, as we knew it. Um, We wanted things to move faster, even though this is, you know, things have, um, by God's grace, moved extremely fast. We still wanted things to move faster, and they weren't moving as fast as we wanted them to. And there was a certain sense of exhaustion, I think, that was coming from that, a certain weariness and a sense of languishing. Well, in many ways, that's uh, kind of the, the story of the Christian life. Also, we want to be holy right now. We want to be righteous right now. We want to be godly right now. We want to be the best husbands and, and fathers and wives and mothers and friends and neighbors and co-workers that we can be right now. But that's just not the way life goes, is it? The reality is that we continue to make mistakes. We continue to struggle. We continue to make poor decisions. Uh, we continue to act out of our own insecurities and sin. We're still not perfect people. And we come to learn that the process of sanctification that all of us are under by the gift of the Holy Spirit who is alive and at work in us is a long and slow process with ups and downs and fits and starts and valleys and mountaintops. But that through it all, God remains faithful and he is constant. He's always calling us forward and he's always loving us as we move on. And in many ways, that's what the Christian life is all about. It can't be forced. It can't be rushed. We can't reach maturity on our own timetable. Faithfulness is simply learning to take one step after another as we follow Jesus to the best of our abilities, as we learn to trust him, and that he's working in us as the Spirit continues to do its work in us, making us new creations in Christ Jesus. And we simply commit to just taking that one step of faithfulness at a time. It's a long, slow process. But in many ways, it's a joyful and wonderful process as well. But discipleship truly is that long obedience in the same direction. When Eugene Peterson thought about this, this long, slow process of discipleship, he thought of the people of Israel singing the Psalms of Ascent Year after year, as they would make their way up to Jerusalem, climbing the steps up to Jerusalem to celebrate the annual feasts of Passover and Pentecost and Tabernacles, the great feasts of the year, they would make their way up to Jerusalem, singing these songs as they went, many scholars believe. And that these songs would become sort of touchstones along the way, a guidebook for discipleship for the people of God, that they would sing year after year as they would make these pilgrimages, um, and that would guide them in all the days in between. Peterson said it like this, and I love the honesty of this. Everyone who travels the road of faith requires assistance from time to time. Right? He's getting at the, the fact that um, we can pretend that we've got it all together as Christians, um, but I think we do ourselves and the world around us more damage when we do. But when we're more honest, we can say everyone who travels the road of faith requires assistance from time to time. We need cheering up when spirits flag, we need direction when the way is unclear. These songs, he said, provide courage, support, and inner direction for getting us to where God is leading us in Jesus Christ. And so for us, over these next, you know, 15 weeks or so, uh, we want to join with the great cloud of witnesses that have gone before us, and we want to listen to these psalms and pray these psalms and sing these psalms and be shaped by these psalms of ascent as we, we too seek to follow Jesus in that great pilgrimage of faith. And so uh, we begin with Psalm 120. It's the first psalm of ascent. And interestingly, this psalm begins with a recognition of distress. Verse 1, as you heard today, says, "...in my distress I call to the Lord." So it begins with this recognition of distress... And then it continues with a cry for deliverance. Verse 2 says, Deliver me, O Lord, from lying lips and from a deceitful tongue. So Psalm 120 begins with an emphatic no. It begins with a turning away from wickedness in the world and the personal anguish that that might inflict upon us. And it's a cry for deliverance and rescue from those things. If the Psalms of Ascent are pilgrim psalms, uh, these songs that are sung on the journey of faith, then the very first thing that they teach us is that our pilgrimage begins by naming the evils that we see and experience in the world and turning away from those things. It reminds us that a pilgrimage is not simply about getting to a particular destination, but it's about leaving somewhere else as well. Turning away from certain things, leaving certain things behind. It's about turning away from the wickedness that we experience in the world and removing ourselves from the trappings of a hostile and adulterous culture and turning towards God. You'll notice two things about Psalm 120. The first is that you'll notice that the psalmist seeks deliverance from personal anguish that he's experiencing so psalm 1 says in my distress i call to lord deliver me O lord from lying lips from a deceitful tongue so these aren't just broad generalizations these are particular experiences that the psalmist himself is having so it, it recognizes personal anguish that we have in a world that is hostile to god secondly the the psalm also recognizes that uh in a world that's hostile to God, it's not just personal anguish that we experience, but those are symptoms of living in that hostile and adulterous culture. So verse 5 says, Woe to me that I sojourn in Meshech, that I dwell among the, uh, among the tents of Qadar. Well, Meshech and Qadar were nearly a thousand miles apart, so he can't physically live in both of those places. Instead, they, they represent a culture that is hostile to the things of God alien to God's ways. The people of Qadar had an especially brutal reputation. So these two places, or these two people groups, represent a culture that is contrary to the ways of God, that's hostile to God and his purposes in the world. And so the psalmist recognizes that both the personal pain that he's experiencing because of the culture that he's living in, as well as the wickedness of the culture itself, and he says we need to go, we need to turn from those things, we need to to move in the opposite direction, we need to cry out to God for deliverance. That's the first step of our pilgrimage of faith. And the same goes for us. If we are to journey towards the will and ways of God, to pursue him, then we too need to recognize and name the evils that we see in the culture around us and turn from those things, and the evils within our own hearts, as well, and leave those things behind. Peterson said it like this in his book. Christian consciousness begins in the painful realization that what we had assumed was the truth is in fact a lie. Prayer is immediate. Deliver me, O oh Lord. Rescue me from the lies of advertisers who claim to know what I need and what I desire. From the lies of entertainers who promise a cheap way to joy. From the lies of politicians who pretend to instruct me in power and morality. From the lies of psychologists who offer to shape my behavior and my morals so that I will live long, happy, and successful. From the lies of religionists, who heal the wounds of this people lightly, quoting Jeremiah 6.14. From the lies of moralists, who pretend to promote me to the office of captain of my own fate. From the lies of pastors, who get rid of God's commands so that you won't be inconvenienced in following the religious fashions. He's quoting his version of Mark 7.8 there. And this is the important part. He says, rescue me from the person who tells me of a life, of life, and omits Christ. Who is wise in the ways of the world and ignores the movement of the Spirit. It's not that all these professions and people are, are all evil, or that the desires themselves are wrong for joy, for, for happiness, for success. Those aren't wrong. It's the lie that you can, you can attain those things apart from Jesus. That's what we must move away from. And so the start of of discipleship is that movement away from the lies and the deceit and the hostility that leads to destruction. And I think this is important. If you look at verses 3 and 4, what we see is that the psalmist knows that lies and deception, what he has experienced from the culture around him, those things will ultimately come to land on the heads of the people around him. That's why verses 3 and 4 says, What shall be given to you, and what shall be done to you, you deceitful tongue? A warrior's sharp arrows with glowing coals of the broom tree. This is what you will receive. Well, in Scripture, if you are to look at it, lies are often referred to as, as, as arrows, warrior's arrows. And deceit is often referred to as burning coals. A couple references would be Jer- uh, Jeremiah 9, 8. Psalm 64 3 or Proverbs 16 27 but the point is that these things that they are doing the evil that they are are placing on others and doing to others this hostility towards God that, that manifests itself in lies and deceit and harm to to the people of God will ultimately come back on their own heads it will be their just rewards and so the psalmist knows this and he knows that he must turn away from it. We need to know that as well, that we can't follow in those same actions for those actions lead to destruction. We must turn away from those things. And so the long road of discipleship begins with this emphatic no. It begins with a turning away from the lies and the deceit and the wickedness of a culture that is hostile to God and his ways. But it doesn't end there. Discipleship isn't merely about turning away, it's about turning towards. It's a turning towards God. Over my uh, couple weeks of vacation, uh, once I was able to start reading again, um, I was reading a lot of Scott Cairns's poetry. And he has a poem called Adventures in New Testament Greek. And the word here is metanoia that he, he looks at in this poem. He looks at a few different words. And the one is metanoia, which is the Greek word for repentance. And in this poem, he deals with this idea of both turning away and turning towards. And it goes like this. Repentance, to be sure, but of a species far less likely to oblige sheepish repetition. Repentance, you'll observe, glibly bears the bent of thought revisited, of mind's familiar stamp, a quaint, half-hearted, doubtless, doubtlessness that doubles uh, all compunction with the pledge of recurrent screw-up. What he's talking about here is this idea of repentance where it's just, I'm going to sort, of, sort of like white-knuckle it. I'm just going to do it with my own willpower. I'm going to turn away from sin. I'm just going to push myself. And you can almost hear Paul's words in the background. The good that I want to do, I don't do. And those things I don't want to do is what I actually do. He's talking about that kind of uh, repentance, where we're just trying to, by our own willpower, turn away, and it just doesn't seem to work. Then he goes on and says this, the heart's metanoia, on the other hand, the heart's true repentance, turns without regret. Turns not so much away as towards, he says. As if the slow pilgrim has been surprised to find that sin is not so bad as it is a waste of time. I love that line. Sin is not so bad as it is a waste of time. But the point that he's getting at here is that uh, we're called not simply to turn away, but to turn towards. The heart's true turning isn't merely a negation, it's not just a turning away from something or denying something or letting go of something. That doesn't really lead us anywhere. It's about grabbing a hold of God, turning to God, seeking after Him clinging and clutching to him. You could picture um, Jacob here, grabbing a hold of God, wrestling with God, refusing to let him go until God would bless him. That's what we're called towards in Christian discipleship. That clinging to God, that holding fast to him. Christian discipleship isn't merely about turning away from sin. It's primarily about turning towards God, desiring him. Pursuing him, longing for him. Pursuing him who is beauty, truth, and goodness, the ultimate source of all those things. It's catching a vision of the glory of God which simultaneously reveals and and unveils the ugliness and the, the emptiness of sin. But it's catching a vision of the glory of God and pursuing him with our whole hearts, allowing that to lead us and to call us on. That's the call of Christian discipleship. That's the pilgrimage that we're on. Pursuing Him who calls us forth and leads us on, whom we have experienced, whom we have tasted and seen that the Lord is good, and just pursuing Him with our whole hearts. That's the call of Christian discipleship. Now, there's two important things to say here, I think. Uh, when we talk about turning away from a culture that is hostile to the will and ways of God, and the first is that we must have some humility when we do so. I read this quote that was attributed to Saint Isaac of Syria the other day, which I thought was apt. He said this, Do not say that God is just. His justice is not in evidence in his dealings with you don't say that God is just. His justice is not in evidence in his dealings with you. He's not saying that God is not just. He's just reminding us that if God were truly just with us, well, it would be a very different picture. We don't stand before God because of his justice. We stand before God because of his mercy and his grace in our lives. And we need to remember that. And so before we start um, being very quick to label a a culture contrary to God and turning away from it, let us also make sure that we're exercising a heavy dose of humility as we do so and recognizing that we're not necessarily any better than anybody else. We're just recognizing our need for God and we're seeking to pursue Him. That's our primary goal. The primary goal is not to turn away and, and look down on anyone else. The primary goal is to pursue God with our whole hearts and to do so with humility. The second thing that I would say here is that we we must note that the psalmist's cry here is ultimately for peace. I am for peace, the psalmist says in the final verse. He's not for vengeance. He's not for retribution. He's not for um, the gaining of power to then smite those who have lied and, and and deceived him and slandered him he's for peace i am for peace he says in the last verse and so if we want to know if we're actually turning towards god or not and or not just our own versions of sin and wickedness which we can easily do and label it as god if we want to know if we're actually turning towards god himself the one true and living god then we will be turning towards peace. We will be desiring reconciliation with those around us. We will be desiring for them to join us in the pursuit of God. Christian discipleship will clearly and decisively turn away from sin, but it's always a movement towards peace and reconciliation. Otherwise, I would question whether we're actually moving towards God or not. And so we need to be wise and discerning in the ways that we live in the world, naming sin and wickedness for what it is and moving away from it. We must be humble in knowing that the line between good and evil doesn't simply run between us and them, but down the middle of every single human heart. And we must move towards peace in order to move towards God. And I would simply add two things very briefly um, from our other two readings today. And that is that as we heard uh, Lily who read, our, who read the Ezekiel passage so well today, it's a reminder that the outcomes are out of our control. God has called us um, to invite people to pursue him with us, to, to seek peace, peace but the outcomes are out of our control. That's between them and God. That's not our burden to bear. And secondly, the 2 Corinthians 12 passage reminds us that as we face hardships and struggles in this world that is hostile to God, when we're weak, when we experience weakness in the midst of it, when we experience struggles, well, it reminds us that we're actually strong, our strongest in those moments. That God's grace is somehow made perfect in our weakness, and I think we can take heart in that. So just a couple of questions for you to consider this week as you think about this passage, Psalm 120 especially. And the first question is, what do you feel you need to turn away from? So maybe what painful aspects of the culture that we live in have hurt you personally? that you've had a personal experience with, where what are you distressed by, to use the language of Psalm 120? What has distressed you personally? Uh, what personal hurt have you had? And what, how do you need to, to move away from those things? What are those things that you need to move away from? And then also more broadly, what are the aspects of the culture that we live in that you feel like you need to turn away from? So not just the things that have, you've personally experienced, but just broadly that you look and see, no, I need to move away from that. And it's good to think in specifics. So uh, when you think about the culture that we live in, what specific aspects of the culture do you see that are hostile to God and his ways? And how do you need to move away from those things? So maybe it's divisiveness or polarization. Maybe those are the things that break your heart and you want to move away from. Maybe it's the level of anger that we see people attacking one another with and a sense of gracelessness. There's no grace for each other, no sense of forgiveness. Um, Maybe that's the thing that you want to move away from. Maybe it's lies and intentional deceptiveness that you feel called, you really want to move away from at this time. I think it's, it's important that we actually take time to think about what are those specific things that lay heavy on my heart, that I look at the world around us, I see these are hostile to the things of God. And I really want to work against those things. I want to move away from those things. And then following up on that, because it's not just about turning away, but turning towards. Um, what will it specifically look like for you to turn towards God in those areas? So if it's divisiveness and polarization that you want to turn away from, well, what will it look like for you to turn towards peace and reconciliation? Where does that need to happen in your life? Who does it need to happen with? What steps might you need to take in your life to pursue and move towards peace and reconciliation in your pursuit of God? are things you need to cultivate in your life of prayer to be that kind of person who pursues peace and reconciliation. If it's anger and gracelessness that you want to turn away from, what does it look like for you to turn towards kindness and forgiveness? Where do you need to do that? Who do you need to do it with? What steps do you need to take to really pursue those things? If it's lies and deception... What might it look like for you to be a person who turns towards truth and honor? It's not enough, I don't think, to sort of say, I want to turn away from all these things, I want to turn towards God, but specifically, what does that look like in your life? And what fruit of the Spirit, what aspects of God's character do you want to turn towards and pursue to be a positive impact in the world that we're called to live in? Because it's not just about turning away. We're called to live in the world, but live differently to be salt and light. So may God give us wisdom as we try to see and name uh, the evils in the world around us. May he give us humility as we turn from those things. And may he give us grace as we turn towards him and pursue him and pursue peace in the world. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.